Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. A brand new week together, bringing clarity to the chaos is here. This week, Dr. Douglas Petrovich reveals the true empire builder, Nimrod. An amazing story of God's mercy and grace from the other side of the world will be discovered, and we'll share an important update on the work in Pakistan. All of these wonderful topics are presented on almost 700 radio signals online and as a daily podcast. It's all able to happen because of your prayers and financial support. Please keep Southwest Radio Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall in your daily prayers. And if we can pray for you, please let us know. Send your prayer needs to us at prayer at swrc.com. That's prayer at swrc.com. Or you can simply give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. One character who has fascinated readers of the Bible greatly is Nimrod, whose brief biography is hidden away in Genesis chapter 10. Dr. Douglas Petrovich is here to reveal confidently the real empire builder, Nimrod. Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall. I'm your host today, Clayton Van Huss, and I am here joined by Dr. Douglas Petrovich, who is no stranger to our program. Dr. Petrovich, good day, sir. Good day, Clayton. Good to be with you. Well, it's great to be with you. And so I know we've done at least one interview before for one of your other projects is Genesis History. And we we talked a little about we have a, a history together. You were my professor at seminary. You taught Hebrew. You taught archaeology, Bible study methods. So I had you for a number of classes. Yeah, we've known each other for a while, and it's a growing corpus of opportunities we've had to work together, too, Clayton. Yeah, it is. And I'm looking forward to more opportunities in the future. Without any more (laughs) background, We're going to be talking today about a new book that Dr. Petrovich has written. And Dr. P., you're kind of known amongst different circles for your your study on this subject. We're going to be talking about Nimrod, identifying Nimrod, because Dr. Petrovich has written the new book, Nimrod, the Empire Builder, Architect of Shock and Awe. That's a really cool title. It is, and it gives us a chance to kind of connect the ancient world with the modern world, right? Because, uh, you know, with the fighting that went on in the Middle East, especially the, uh, the attacks against Saddam Hussein and the Iraqis, uh, mm-hmm. there developed this concept of shock and awe that there was a, a strong, quick lightning attack made against forces that was designed to kind of disorient them and to prevent them really from having the capabilities to fight back. And that same kind of devastation that uh, the United States, in this case, inflicted on the Iraqis, it's kind of what uh, Nimrod did in the ancient world. He had lightning attacks. He had more troops. He had greater power, greater military capabilities and technology. And so that's kind of the ancient version of, of what you see in what, what happened with, with our own troops. Wow. And of course, you know, we use Nimrod sometimes as, as an insult. And I don't think that Nimrod was much of a Nimrod, as we would, would say. 
But before we get into him and your book, let's learn a little bit about you. What is your background? You are, you are a very studied man. You're a professor, you teach, but what got you into biblical history and archaeology? Well, long story, Clayton, and I'll just give you the kind of a quick version of it. My love for history goes back all the way to my early junior high days. I had a professor, a teacher at a public school in Akron, Ohio, named Mr. Hawes, and he loved two things that he expressed to us in the classroom. One was geology, of all things, so rocks and gems and minerals, and the other was history. And he infused those two passions in me and probably some other students, too, but I just remember walking away a different person because of his ability to to share his passions, those two passions with me, and they just kind of took hold. And so history early on became very interesting to me. But it, at that point, it was mainly American history, you know, the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, the two, civil, uh, the two World Wars, and so forth. But really, it was what happened next, which kind of eventually fused my love to, for biblical history. And that is my conversion. I, as a junior hire, I was sorting through all the important things in life and realized I didn't have the answers and that God did exist and that he then did have, I, I did then have a responsibility before him and had to make things right with him because I was at war with him. And so my simple childlike belief in the message of redemption through Jesus Christ is what changed everything. And that gave me a passion for for God and for the Bible, because that's his word, his, his way of communicating with mankind. And so then as time rolled along and, and I grew in my Christian faith, my love for history kind of subsided a little bit. But then after I did my bachelor's degree at Moody Bible Institute and got into my first master's degree, my master of divinity at, in Southern California at the master's seminary, I took a course in Old Testament history and all of a sudden that deep-seated desire to understand and, and really grapple with the events of history kind of came back to the forefront. And at this point, though, it combined with my love for the Bible, and so the natural merge would be biblical history. And that became the area that I specialized in most. And then when I you know, finished my second master's degree and went off to Russia and taught for 10 years, during the 10 years that I taught in Siberia— what really dawned on me was, wow, there are so many important contributions that can be made in this area of biblical history. And if I specialize in it, I think God may have some amazing things in store for me. And that kind of is what kind of launched everything. Wow, that is amazing how God takes the, the things that he's trained us for. He, he allows us to do things and, and things that sometimes we don't even think are related, and he puts them together. I think that's you can see that in, in the story you just told. So you went on for more education. You got your Ph.D. in? In Syro-Palestinian archaeology. So I did my third master's degree at, well, first there, but the, the third overall master's degree at the University of Toronto in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and stayed there for about 10 years. And then I went on from my Master of Arts into a uh, PhD in Syro-Palestinian archaeology as a major, and then my two minors were Egyptian language, and that includes Middle and Late Egyptian, both uh, forms of hieroglyphics, 
And then also my second minor was ancient Near Eastern religions. Wow. So, and, and you are, when I think of, oh, I need to know something about Hebrew, I, I contact you because, because you're, that, that's one of your things. In fact, one of the things that you're, you're known for is a lot of deciphering of uh, different inscriptions in ancient Hebrew, the, the proto-Sinatic alphabet, before there was even Paleo-Hebrew. You've done a lot of work in that. Yeah, and Clayton, that ended up being one of these areas of groundbreaking research that God kind of dropped me into that I, I didn't really sign up for it or didn't expect it, but I suppose I wasn't surprised because he really, God really used all of these areas of interest in research and study and, and uh, education to kind of blend them all together in the same pot because it really takes an enormous amount of understanding of a lot of different areas to come to the place where you can, you know, you have the tools to decipher the world's oldest alphabetic script. And I never expected to be that person to do it, but, you know, that's what the Lord called me to. And so the first book I published was the result of my research, The World's Oldest Alphabet, and the subtitle is Hebrew as the language of the proto-consonantal script. Proto means first, consonantal means it only consists of consonants, no vowels. So yeah, that's the controversial book that I published at the end of 2016 and into beginning of 2017. And it definitely has become, you know, it certainly was at the time the most controversial book in the field. And, uh, and it's been a challenge from then until now to break through the scholarly commitment to the idea that, no, the Israelites really weren't in Egypt for the 430 years the Bible says they were there. And basically, you know, my research demonstrates that that's just not the case, and we have this actually enormous amount of evidence that uh, attests to it. That is amazing. And so, so yes, you've done some, some work on that in the past. And I know that in, in, in your work, you do your own translation. The English language changes over time, the meanings of words. And I think that's important in this book, not just under you, but in several classes. Uh, we, we read your Nimrod paper, and you really used the Hebrew language to, to do a lot of your, your research. Let me ask you a question about that. Sure. We, we hear a lot of things as Christians in church or on social media about these crazy finds that people are making. Somebody finds something you know, some big relic or, or artifact or whatever, and they have no proof. They have no evidence. They, they don't have um, any way to back that up. How important is scholarship in this kind of work? Uh, it's enormously important, Clayton. There are far too many enthusiasts out there who kind of take the opportunity to gain their own platform to be able to express their ideas when those ideas really haven't been proven or refined or are not based on the kind of educational background that really gives you the tools to know with confidence that what you're proposing has merit, has validity, has reasons that people should understand it. And, you know, I look at, and I'm a former uh, senior pastor, actually a church planning pastor, and I, I look at an important verse in the book of James, James chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Let not many of you be teachers, because as such, you incur a stricter judgment. And, you know, you probably remember from the days of the classes that you had with me, Clayton, that 
that I expressed to everyone in the classroom that I take that very seriously and I take my role as a teacher seriously. And I want to know that when I'm presenting something to students as true, that I can be confident it's true. I, I don't want to mislead. And so that really is what it comes down to. You really want to know that you're pointing people in the right direction, that you're influencing in the ways that you should, and that, that the, uh, the, the maybe the new or, or, or different ideas you're coming up with are not just figments of your own imagination, but they're based on a solid foundation of truth. And yeah, that comes from the scripture. And, and ultimately, it comes back to understanding the word of God accurately. And to understand it accurately, as you know, you really have to study the original languages of the Bible, because that's when light bulbs can come on, and you can really get into the meat of things. Because otherwise, you're just depending on the translation of some committee of people that you've never even met. You don't know how good they are at translation. You don't know what their theological background is and what they were trying to keep from getting in the text and not putting in the text and that kind of thing. So, yeah, you, you need to do your own original work, and that includes the original writings of the Bible. That includes studying inscriptions like I do with my specializations. I, I have to study every inscription individually before I will even think of publishing on it. I'm not going to rely on somebody else's work. Absolutely. And I do remember you driving that into us in in class. So let's go ahead and we're going to talk about Nimrod. First of all, we're talking with Dr. Doug Petrovich on his book, Nimrod, the Empire Builder, Architect of Shock and Awe. And you can find that book on swrc.com. Look that up, uh, Dr. Petrovich, Nimrod, the Empire Builder, Architect of Shock and Awe. So let's go ahead and jump into this. We hear the name thrown around, but who who was Nimrod? And the way the Bible presents him, who was this guy? Yeah, that's a great question. He's only mentioned essentially in three different places in Scripture. The one where we get the most information, which is the closest, still far from his day, but it's the closest to the, to the lifetime of Nimrod, is in Genesis, Genesis chapter 10. And Moses is the one who, I'm convinced, is the author of the book of, of Genesis and the whole Pentateuch. But it's Moses who tells us about this man, gives us a brief biography, but what's fascinating, Clayton, is that it's a very cryptic biography, right? It's not like he goes into great detail. He just hits the highest of high points. So we're left a little bit scratching our heads wondering, well, who in the world is this guy? And that's why, number one, you need a good, careful translation of it. Otherwise, you may get it wrong as to what kind of person he was. That's how, that's how cryptic and general his biography is but he was a uh, he was a king number one he had a kingdom number two he expanded his kingdom number three and in, in all of this we also learn a lot about his character and that's why i think especially genesis 10 9 needs to be translated carefully because it says literally that nimrod was a powerful slaughterer in the sight of he who is, he who is being the name of God, the covenant name of God, the one who goes on existing. That's the name that God gave to Moses at the burning bush when he said, I am. And, and, and yes, the meaning you, of that, of course. Sorry, I, I just had to interrupt here because you would never let us transliterate his name. Any no, exam we no. took, any homework we did, we had to translate the meaning of the name of God. That's how important the language is to you. Yeah, 
in this case, Clayton, it comes down to this. God reveals his covenant name when Moses begs him, you know, when I go to the Israelites and I do what you tell me to do and I tell them that you've called me to lead them out of this bondage in Egypt, they're going to ask, who's the one who sent me? Well, what do I tell them? And of course, God says to Moses, eventually, tell them I am sent you. I am. Yeah, I am. Meaning I who goes on existing. So there's a, a, a permanence about God's covenant name that he gives to Moses to reveal uh, for the first time in history, and, and the scripture is clear about this, first time in history when God reveals his covenant name with his covenant people through Moses. And, and the meaning is, therefore, when the Israelites talk to one another about him, they, ha- they can't use the first person anymore, only God can use the first person of himself. Well, they talk about him in third person, he who is, or the one who goes on existing. So it's God's eternality that he embeds in this covenant name of his. And you miss that if you translate it, well, if you transliterate it, Yahweh, or if you, or if you mistranslate it as the Lord, like many English translations will just put the word Lord in capital letters. Well, that's not the word that's there. There is a word for Lord. It's Adonai. And that, this is not that word. This is the one who goes on existing. So, so what Moses wants to communicate is that Nimrod had the audacity to become a powerful slaughterer in the sight of the one who goes on existing. Yeah, you use that word slaughterer. Um, that's usually translated as hunter. Why, why mm-hmm. did you choose the word slaughterer? It's interesting because when you study the word, it does not actually mean hunter. It means either food, foodstuffs, or something to that effect, right? It's uh, that which goes in the mouth to to provide strength to the body. Hmm. And yet, in the context, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. A powerful foodstuff in the sight of he who is, what does that mean? Well, it's only when you understand how the Hebrew word is used in cognate languages, meaning languages that are related to Hebrew, other Semitic languages. And in those other Semitic languages, all of a sudden things clear up a little bit. And that's because this word is used of a sacrifice that's given, and therefore, and and really usually these sacrifices, not always, but often, if not most of the time, were animal sacrifices. So there was a living animal who was slaughtered, that was slaughtered, right? And then the blood of the animal was, was used as the, the, the means of, of appeasing whichever god it was through this, through this ritual. The, uh, the, the idea of a person slaughtering an animal is what is connected with this term for foodstuff. So re- when you understand this connection, all of a sudden it makes sense. This word can be used of a person, or I'm sorry, it could be used of a food, but it also could be used of the person who commits the act of slaughtering an animal so that an offering is made. So that points us to the real meaning behind this. So, yeah, it's not like Nimrod was a guy who was out on safari, right? And a lot of ancient Near Eastern scholars want to tell us, uh, yeah, this just shows, you know, the kind of man he was. He was a hunter. He was into the hunt like many of the great Egyptian pharaohs or the great kings of the ancient Near East, tra-la-la, but that's not the point. The point is that he was slaughtering. Whom or what was he slaughtering? Well, when you start to read after that, it makes a lot more sense. Sure. Because it talks about how his kingdom 
began with the cities in southern Mesopotamia, and then it expanded to the north into the land of Assyria. And so, and, and there are cities named. Well, what does that mean? It means these cities were conquered. So what kind of slaughterer was he? He was a slaughterer of humans, not animals for sacrifice, but people, so that he could step on them, overtake their cities, and become the master of the ancient world. Wow, that is something. We've only got just a few moments left. We'll talk a little bit about the identity of Nimrod on tomorrow's program, but I do want to ask you one quick question. Is it important that Nimrod was historical? You're talking about historical places. Is it important that he's a real historical character? It is, Clayton. And again, it comes back to the text. What does the text say? If you look at Genesis 10:7, it says this, the sons of Cush, and of course, Cush is one of the offspring from Noah, right? That, that came from Noah. So right. the, the sons of Cush were Seba and Hawilah and Sabta and Ra'amah and Sabteka, while the sons of Ra'amah were Sheba and Dedan. And so therefore, Sheba and Dedan are grandchildren of Cush. And then it says in verse 8, now Cush sired Nimrod. And that's talking about a blood relationship. It's not a father-to-son relationship, but it's a blood relationship. What, and what is all of this pointing to in verses 7 and 8? It's clear. This is a man who derived from other men. You can trace his lineage back to Noah, and earlier in chapter 5 of Genesis, you can trace the lineage that, that, uh, where, where you'd look at Noah, and you can go back all the way to Adam, the first man. So it's extremely important that he's taken as a physical human being, a person derived from Adam, and he's part of the normal human line who went on to become a, a conqueror. So this isn't some mythical you know, story created fictionally about this amazing king. This is a real person, and Moses is giving it for a reason, and maybe that's something we can talk about too in our next episode. Sure, that would be, that would be great. I'd love to hear that because that's actually my next question for tomorrow. Why is Nimrod in the Bible? So, okay, we're talking with Dr. Douglas Petrovich on his book, Nimrod, the Empire Builder, Architect of Shock and Awe. And uh, we're going to learn a little more tomorrow about who Nimrod was and why he's in the Bible. What is the importance of this? Dr. Petrovich, thank you for joining us today. We, uh, we look forward to hearing more from you tomorrow. What, uh, what do you think we can expect to hear? Well, as you say, we're going to talk about just who Nimrod is, a little bit more about what he was like, what he accomplished, and how we can be sure that we can connect a certain historical character or person to biblical Nimrod. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Douglas Petrovich. Today, we're talking about his book, Nimrod, the Empire Builder, Architect of Shock and Awe. You can find that on swrc.com. One character who has fascinated readers of the Bible greatly is Nimrod, whose brief biography is hidden away in Genesis chapter 10. He was a powerful king who built a kingdom in southern Mesopotamia, then expanded it northward by conquering and building up cities in Assyria. Since Moses wrote about Nimrod before his death, the options are limited for the identity of this ancient Near Eastern empire builder. In his brand new book, Nimrod, the Empire Builder, Architect of Shock and Awe, Dr. Douglas Petrovich reveals the true identity of this tyrant. Historical evidence from archaeology, ancient text, and ancient drawings 
points to only one man who fits the description of biblical Nimrod. In this book, Dr. Petrovich attempts to weed out the wrongly identified candidates and prove to the reader just who in history can be equated confidently with Nimrod, the Empire Builder. Nimrod, the Empire Builder, architect of shock and awe. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order on our website, swrc.com. Nimrod, the Empire Builder, architect of shock and awe by Dr. Douglas Petrovich. 1-800-652-1144. Friends, we're so glad you're here today. If you're a new listener to Watchmen on the Wall, make sure you request your new listener pack. Inside, you'll find the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a special gift. Request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Let me encourage you to check out this year's SWRC calendar. Each year, Watchmen on the Wall and SWRC presents its Prophecy Calendar. This special resource benefits you and the prisoners we serve through our Onesimus Prison Outreach Ministry. This year, the calendar is truly spectacular, with stunning pictures from the Holy Land and added bonuses that I know you'll enjoy. Southwest Radio Ministries creates this unique calendar filled with scripture, comfort, and inspiration from God's Word. We also partner with each of you who purchase a calendar to encourage prisoners in our Onesimus prison ministry. For every calendar you order, a calendar will be given to a prisoner free of charge. Order your calendar and encourage a prisoner. Calendars are ready to ship today. Order yours when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website swrc.com. Friends, if you have a prayer need, would you let us pray for you? We consider it an honor to pray with you. Prayer requests come in from all over the country through the mail, on the phone, and now through a special email address, prayer at swrc.com. That's prayer at swrc.com. Or you can always just give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Please, keep Southwest Radio Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall in your daily prayers. And if we can pray for you, please let us know. Send your prayer needs to us at prayer at swrc.com. That's prayer at swrc.com. Or you can simply give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Friends, we are only days away from our first event of the new year. This Friday and Saturday, February 16th and 17th in the Tampa Bay, Florida area. Is America in Bible prophecy? Find out from Donald Perkins. The latest details on the march toward a one-world system will be revealed, biblical mysteries will be uncovered, and you'll learn how to have true spiritual victory in the invisible war on the saints. This Friday and Saturday, February 16th and 17th, call 1-800-652-1144 or visit the events page at our website swrc.com. Dr. Petrovich returns tomorrow with more insight on the empire builder, Nimrod. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app 
or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.